Welcome to this week's show. I'm really excited to talk about this episode. The place I'm going to talk about is part of the LCRA park system and definitely one of my favorite places to hike. It's McKinney Ruffs Nature Park. It's just outside of Austin, but one of the great things about this place is it rests right next to the Colorado River. So enjoy this amazing place to hike with some amazing views of the water. I also get to interview a fellow hiker named Adam Wells. He's been into the outdoors hiking and fishing from a very young age and has spent time outdoors in a handful of places around the U.S. And him and his wife turned that passion of being outside into an awesome small business. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Texas Trailhead Podcast. Join me, Danny Laurel, as I share stories from the trails around Texas and more. I'll also talk about my favorite gear to use, camping tips, and feature interviews from others who enjoy the outdoors. So grab your backpack and put on your hiking shoes. This is the Texas Trailhead. What is going up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Texas Trailhead Podcast. I have talked about the LCRA parks before. I really, really like them. It's a great alternative if you're in the central-ish part of Texas. They have 70 parks all along, for the most part, the Colorado River. So water is definitely... A really neat aspect to a lot of these parks, but they also boast over 55 miles of trails, so there's some good hiking to be had. My favorite parks are in the truer kind of central Austin area that I've been to so far. So the last park that I talked about was Lake Bastrop South Shore. That is in the Lost Pines region. So the, the, the trees are really, really pretty there. But as opposed to the Colorado River, you have the lake. So there are some pretty rad views of just a different kind of water. But the park I want to talk to you all about today is McKinney Ruffs Nature Park. McKinney Ruffs is just outside of Austin on Highway 71, if anyone's familiar with the area. And it's right next to the Hyatt Regency Lost Pines. So if you've stayed there or know of someone that stayed there, maybe that puts the area in in your mental map. Um, yeah, but it, it, it's a really, really neat place to hike. It's the first LCRA park that I've that I got to explore. It was recommended by a good friend of mine. And and, and it I, I hate to say that it's nicer than the Texas State Parks because they're all lovely and having an opportunity to be in the outdoors is definitely something I appreciate. But they're newer and the facilities are a little bit different. 
The McKinney Ruffs Nature Park almost feels like the headquarters of the park. It has additional facilities for special events. Um, There's like a room where you can have conferences or even there's space for weddings. There's also kind of uh, a big place for like like scouts to go. Uh, It's like a, they call it, I guess, kind of like a dormitory almost. Um, There's three of them, the San Saba, Lano, and Pernalis dormitory. So various sizes for, for different events. And they do a lot of educational stuff there as well. They have a lot of classes. I know they do a lot of field trips. I've been there on a day when there's a field trip, and thankfully they were in class and not on the trail, which would be fine. It's just, you know, it's a lot of, a lot to deal with at once, I guess. And, and, and there's a lot of plants at the headquarters. And one of the other neat things about this park is it's partnered up with the, uh, it's a zip line company. Zip Lost Pines. And so when I get into the trails a little bit, um, I'll talk about kind of some of those aspects. So if you want to go and just be in the area and not really do any hiking, you can just go and zip through the Lost Pines at McKinney Ruffs Nature Park. So when it comes to camping... You are really limited to those dormitories, and you're you're limited to being there during some special events or reserving big groups at a time. So, not a whole lot there in terms of camping. That's kind of one of the big differences between this park and a lot of the others that LCRA has. They have different parks for different things, but this one happens to be just for events and mostly for hiking. But what's cool about hiking is that it's a big, you know, regular footpath hiking, uh, a lot of mountain bikers, but also another really popular place for horseback riding. So when you're hiking along the trails, I know thinking back to the first time I was there and seeing the horseshoes in the dirt was pretty neat. And then the most recent time I've been, there was a lady with her horse just kind of hanging out in the Colorado River. So that was pretty cool, too, just seeing a, a horse bathing in the sunlight. And uh, the majesticness of all that was pretty cool to kind of see while hiking. It, it broke up the day uh, from from kind of the, from a visual standpoint. I don't, I don't really have any direction on, on any of that. Uh, the LCRA parks are pretty dog-friendly, too, so you're not required to keep your dogs on a leash. Uh, definitely recommended, just not knowing the wildlife there, but as long as they are trained to stay close to you, you can have your dogs just be off-leash at the park. Just make sure you're cleaning up after your pets. McKinney Ruffs has 18 miles of trails and there's a lot. There's, I mean, there's some big ones, and then there's a lot of short ones. Some of the big ones are the Coyote Trail. That's a mile. Pecan Bottom is a mile. Yes, I say pecan, not pecan. Uh, the Riverside Trail, which I'm going to talk to, it's also my favorite trail, is a mile and a half. 
Pine Ridge Trail, almost three miles. And they also do difficulty rankings or ratings on the trails, but it's a mountain bike rating, but still gives you kind of a good heads up as to if these are going to give you kind of a hard time. So they are, they do have easy, more difficile and very difficile, very difficult trails. And I've have found that the more difficult trails are the trails that kind of go up into the section where the zip lining happens. So that's going to be kind of on the Eastern side of the park. Um, for, for me personally, the Riverside Trail is definitely something that I take people to when I have somebody that's never been there before hiking with me. I know the last time that I was there, I was with my good friend Ariel and we were on the Riverside Trail. She brought her doggies. And so one of the scenic points of interest, there's seven points of interest at McKinney Ruffs. And one of them, number five, is the Riverside Rapids. And it's just a section of the Colorado River that has some rocks that kind of go into the middle. And you can kind of walk and you're pretty much standing right in the middle of the river. So that's pretty interesting. And Colorado River, even in this section, is pretty broad. It's it's typically flowing pretty good just because of where it comes and so the, the views are, are pretty spectacular. And I haven't taken my fishing rod yet, but I'm thinking maybe the next time that uh, I have an opportunity to go out there, um, I might take my rod and just kind of try to do some fishing on the, Col- on the Colorado. The LCRA parks are no different than the state parks. They are closed as well. The facilities, they're all run by the LCRA. And if you, if you didn't listen to my last episode talking about the the LCRA, it's the Lower Colorado River Authority. So they're in charge of a lot of the, the power services that are um, fueled by the river. They're just an energy company that's in the area. But with a lot of the land... Um, they've decided to make parks, and that's probably a horrible version of the history of the LCRA parks. If anyone from y'all are listening to this episode and you want to hop on an interview for an upcoming um, episode, that'd be fantastic, and we can get down to the nitty-gritty. So yeah, the Riverside Trail is definitely my favorite. You're like it says, you're walking along the Colorado River for a good chunk of that. And a lot of the other scenic points of interest are more like overlooks because the elevation, especially towards the zip line section, goes up. Nothing, nothing outrageous, but I did one of the bigger loops once just to get my miles in and going clockwise towards the Lost Pine Center is pretty gnarly. And you're going to hit some sections where your legs are going to burn pretty good. And I definitely recommend if you're doing the eastern part of the park to bring your trekking poles because you're going to need them and just give yourself some, uh, just be able to brace yourself a little bit better as you're going uphill. There are different kinds of trails too. There are specifically trails for hiking. There is a self-guided ADA trail. There are multi-use trails too. So like I said, for hiking 
biking and horseback riding. So it's important to kind of know to share the space, yield, so everyone's yielding correctly. So the Riverside Trail and then the one that goes to the zip line section is the Pine Ridge Trail. And that one is the one that's ranked very difficult. And so for mountain bikes, it's kind of tough because there's some, I guess, rock steps that would be pretty hard to do on a bike just because they're so big. I guess going in the opposite direction, you're going downhill. So that'd be pretty gnarly. I don't mountain bike, but I'm sure some people would laugh at my idea of that being kind of crazy. But hiking, it's definitely going to be a challenge just because of the um, the the incline. But the views from this part of the park are pretty, pretty spectacular. Because it's ziplining, you kind of have to do it where you're high up. And so you can kind of, you can get pretty close to the zipline terminals. I don't know what the actual word for them um, is, but where I guess you would wait in line for your turn to fly down on the zip line. You can kind of stand next to it and just look out into the open space and look into the trees and it's really pretty. And at this point there, there is an open area at the Pine Ridge Overlook. There's an open area where you can sit down. And last time I was there was the last summer when I did this full part of the park and it was pretty hot and I had plenty of water, but they had uh, an ice chest there. There are water sources throughout the park as well. You know, for anything in Texas, I definitely recommend bringing in your own water, but because this is a horse back park, there are some spaces that are designated on the trail map that have water sources and a lot of those water sources are for like filling up water troughs for the most part. So, but if you have um, a water filtration device, you can definitely just put water or, I mean, it's coming from a faucet. So, I mean, if you have the water filtration, you, <laughs> you can use it. But I mean, if you grew up drinking out of the water hose in the summertime, I guess it's going to be fine. The other part of the park, the western part, isn't doesn't really have kind of the 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 increase, but you're definitely going to get more of your miles in uh, on this section. So, starting from the headquarters, you're basically going to do a little ridge, and then you're going to go on the Yupon Trail, and the Yupon is going to go all the way around the western part of the park. And you're actually going to be kind of close to the Hyatt Regency entrance road. So if for whatever reason you feel like you're kind of in a jam, you're you're pretty close to a main road there. So you're going to take that trail all the way around to the Roadrunner Trail. And from here you can kind of loop off and do some other exploring. But you're going to have to come back around eventually to get back to the main part of the trail. The one of the last times I was there kind of a connector part of a very important part of the trail was closed. So it didn't make a full loop, which is a huge bummer. So you had to kind of go all the way around. Like you couldn't do the full loop is basically what I'm trying to say without babbling on too much. 
Um, I have been there and, and certain times where you could do that and just loop it into one big circle. So definitely look at the map when you get there and see if any of those parts have been updated. I don't know if it was for flooding or just re rerouting the trail, but there, there are definitely some sections of this park where you can get some pretty good miles. Like, like I said, this, this place has almost 18 total miles of trailways. So you can definitely mix and match or take it easy. Um, one of the sections, the whitetail trail, I feel like the last time I was there it was almost paved and that might've been the ADA trail. Um, it doesn't, say so much real quick looking at the map that ADA trail is going to be really close to the headquarters so that's not the one I'm thinking of but it was it was pretty smooth so you're you're gonna have an opportunity at that point to kind of catch your breath or do something a little bit more basic um it's it's a lot more open to on that area in between the the lost pine section and the headquarters after the the scenic overlook parts it gets pretty flat and pretty open so it's not as interesting if you want to hike in some good woody areas i definitely recommend staying to the western part of the park if you want to do some pretty steep inclines you want to stick to the eastern part of the park but closer to where the Pine Ridge Trail is. And then if you want to do some hiking by the water, which is really, really pretty, um, I definitely recommend the Riverside Trail. Other things that you can do at this park, they do have some nature viewing areas. Like I said, they have the water. You can do some fishing. Um, but overall, you know, there's not a whole lot other than that because there is no camping. So I there's no like RV sites or anything to talk about. But if you're ever in the Austin area and you're looking for something a little bit different, I definitely recommend checking out the LCRA RA Park, sorry, and seeing what they have to offer. The facilities are really nice. They have all kind of the same knickknacks and stuff in the headquarters. Oh, and the headquarters, they also have some pretty cool uh, exhibits for what you can expect for the wildlife in the area, a little museum ish, uh, but some pretty neat stuff. I know my daughter really enjoys looking at that while we're there and the restrooms at the headquarters are really nice. There aren't really that many restrooms throughout the park. It's pretty natural space. So just keep that in mind uh, at the zip line visitor center. They do have uh, an area for showers too. So if you need to rinse off, just, check with them make sure that they're open so yeah that's mckinney ruffs nature park that's highway 71 just east of austin and it's an lcra park welcome to the texas trailhead podcast <laughs> Hey, Danny. Thanks for hey. having me on, man. This yeah. Cool. Welcome. Welcome to welcome to the show. You know, when you agreed to do this, I was thinking of questions or thinking of things that we could talk about. But the one thing that I was curious about is, are you cutting your own hair yet? <laughs> 
Oh, no. My hair is long. <laughs> is it? Man bunned up right now. Wow. Yeah, mine mine is pretty poofy. I haven't had uh, any reason to put any product or anything in it. And, of course, all of the barbershops are closed. So I've right. definitely been just kind of letting letting the waviness go so so yeah welcome welcome to the show welcome to the podcast thanks again for making time out today to to hop on um so for anyone listening tell tell us a little bit about yourself kind of where you're from how where you grew up yeah my name is adam wells and i grew up in a small town in oklahoma but um yeah, we we spent a lot of times outdoors uh, growing up. My family uh, was fortunate enough to uh, pretty much have um, campers and travel trailers. So every summer we always kind of headed out to the lake. So I grew up on the lake um, from pretty much the time I was, I don't know, probably 8 to 23. We were wow. always on the lake. So yeah. It was nice. As a kid, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, this is terrible. I hate this. But now as an adult, I'm looking at it and I was like, you know, that wasn't actually half bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember going to the lakes, uh, like Lake LBJ, not really knowing anything about like the Highland Lakes or anything. And then kind of revisiting that as an adult and being pretty fascinated by that whole thing. So you were out there kind of early on. Do you remember a gap growing up where you kind of lost interest in that? Because it seems like that really sparked your curiosity for the outdoors, but was there like a lag a little bit, you feel like? You know, it was, um, I kind of really pushed myself in sports. And so for me, the outdoors kind of took me away from sports. And so I kind of got frustrated at it. And I was like, oh, we're outside again. Uh, you know, you, um, as a kid, you always kind of look at it and you're like, whatever, whatever your parents are doing, you want to kind of do the opposite. So um, you, for like I said, my big thing was sports, and so I kind of had to be, you know, that that athlete that was always trying to get ahead in sports. And baseball is kind of what I focused my attention on. And then, um, you know, whenever I was uh, out with friends, we always found ourselves kind of hiking along the lake and doing outdoor lake things. And um, as an adult now. You know, that's kind of where I spend my time all all the time. And uh, it, kind of, it kind of stuck through as a child and um, now into it adulthood. But yeah, it was, it's, it's weird how that kind of transition just kind of follows you along and kind of stays with you or sticks with you. Or, you know, sometimes you step away from it and then all it kind of pulls you back. That's the great thing about nature and the outdoors. Yeah, uh, I mean, I definitely feel that when you're passionate about something and it, it starts at an early age, you know, you can't help just but appreciate it throughout your life. I know you personally, so I know you're a pretty avid uh, fly angler, Tinkara angler, just uh, just a fisherman in general. But did that kind of start at that early age too, or did that come out later? Oh yeah, that started, man, the first time I picked up a, a rod was, I was probably three. Um, it was f with my, 
grandparents, my grandmother really kind of took hold of that. And it, it was a old traditional cane pole and, you know, you, you get your bobber, you get the line, you get your stick, a bamboo stick, you know, you can buy them at Walmart for like, I don't know, five bucks. Um, and then you just put your worm on the end, um, throw it out and there comes the sunfish and they all explode. So panfish is kind of where it all started. You know, I can, I can remember it. Um, we all had kind of the Snoopy poles growing up. And then from there, you know, you get your, your favorite character. I remember having Ninja Turtle Rod. And then from there, kind of transitioned into, okay, well, what else is there out there? Um, oh, you got to have a bait caster. Once you kind of learn your bait caster, you kind of transition into something else. And then you're like, okay, well, what else do we have? Well, there's a fly rod. So then you get a fly rod in your hand and you kind of practice that. And then it's always, it's, it's really neat because there's so many tools that you can use to catch fish. I mean, some people use a, a stick and line and, um, or there's, you know, some guys that just have a string and just wrap it around their hand and just throw it out in the water and whatever's biting throw a piece of bread with a hook and all of a sudden you have yourself a fish so that was it's really interesting kind of seeing all the different ways that you can't catch fish and yeah it just kind of stuck through and now here i am 35 and it's still doing it daily what would you say is your kind of primary way to fish right now and and why you know honestly um I would say right now is Tenkara, and that's just because of the ease. And I, I mean, I'm on the Texas trailhead. Uh, I like to hike. And so hiking, I just feel like Tenkara kind of opens that up to so many different aspects. So if you're out with your family, just doing a, a day hike, you know, you have your fishing rod that you can just pull out. It's telescopic, so it gets super super small or and then when you're ready to fish it you're going to have a anywhere from an eight foot rod to a 12 foot rod and all it is is a rod line and fly and you can fish so it makes it really simple it makes it um just easy to get out on the water just in case you know life is put you in a different direction because sometimes it's tough kind of having all that gear in your backpack and loaded down and you just want to you just want to keep it simple and i feel like tinkara does that for right now how are you like i said like i've i, I kind of mentioned already but we haven't really talked about it in our in our real lives in our in our personal conversations but how are you introduced to tinkara um, you know, it was the biggest thing is I was doing a lot of research. So I was looking out there and I've fly fishing was just really kind of taking over my world. And I was super into fly fishing and I was hiking a lot. And I was like, man, there's got to be a better way. Like, do they make a telescopic fly rod? And on at the time when I was doing this research, there wasn't anything on the market that was a telescopic fly rod. It was, um, you know, it was a conventional rod, a spinning rod that was telescopic and you could do that. And I wasn't into that. I wanted fly rod because I wanted to use the fly. I didn't want a big lure that kind of throwing out there. Um, I really wanted the fluid motion of kind of 
throwing a fly and kind of getting that feel of creating the loop. And um, what I really enjoy about fly fishing and Tinkara fishing is the casting aspect of it. I feel like you don't really get that with conventional rods. So, um, yeah, so I was doing research and, you know, you type in Google, pull up all kinds of different things. So there's telescopic, conventional, telescopic, everything was kind of going conventional, conventional, conventional. And then all of a sudden popped up, there was a telescopic rod with no reel. And that piqued my interest. And I was like, well, is that a cane pole? And so I looked at it a little bit more and I was like, okay, it looks like a cane pole. Um, it's a lot more expensive than just a regular cane pole. So what is this? And so I, I watched a couple YouTube videos and um, Daniel Gattiardo from um, Tinkara USA, um, he had all kinds of different videos and was kind of coming out with it on the market. And I looked at his rods and I was kind of playing back and forth with it. And then there was another company that kind of came up and that was Tinkara Rodco. And these guys, I kind of read their story and I looked at the two brands and Tinkara Rodco, the great thing about those guys, they're from Idaho. And what really kind of piqued my interest with them is they had different size rods. So I was like, oh, that's really neat. Because on Tinkara USA, there's fixed. So you can get 10 foot, 12 foot, 14 foot, pretty basic on the thing. But when you look at Tinkara Rodco, they had, um, they had rods that were specifically for bass, specifically for um, panfish, specifically for these different fish. And so I was like, oh, that's really neat. Let me, let me look into this a little bit more. And then, so I was following them and they had an eight foot rod and that was my first. And when I got that, it opened me up to small creeks. It packed down so small. It was easy to put in any size backpack. I mean, even a fanny pack it would fit in. And I was blown away and I was like, okay, cool. I'm sold. And so from there, I just kind of ran with it and over, of course, over the years, I've kind of um, came up with a lot more different sizes and different styles. And 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 now I feel like there's a, a lot more on the market. Yeah, it definitely sounds like they were thinking a little bit more outside of the box for all of the different applications to use. And I think, you know, when people convert to fly angling i think one i think you you see a lot of that with just like you know in the conventional fishing especially in texas and especially in summer i feel like a lot of it's just kind of monotonous you're just chunking it out reel it in chunk it out and then with you know with fly fishing i think why you are seeing a lot of people switch over is they 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 do get a little bit more of that involvement and really kind of enjoy that whole movement and precision. And, and I feel like in the Tinkara community, you get a lot of that too, you know, where it, it's simplistic in a sense, but there's a lot you can break down, you know, to get really specific to kind of your fishing needs. And 
you know, I think that's really important too, especially in the in the hiking in the hiking aspect to it. Where's one place that you've been that you've hiked with your Tinkara rod that you kind of had to hike to get to that you definitely feel like you wouldn't have been able to fish there otherwise? Oh man, there are countless places, but the one that really kind of calls out to me is um, whenever I was in Colorado, we lived there for um, quite some time. And when I was there, there was a mentor, a gentleman that was, he was super into fly fishing and he was, he kind of saw that I, I had done it and I knew a little bit about it. And he, he wanted to take me to this, um, he knew that I liked to hike. And, and so he was like, Hey, I want to take you to the spot, but we have to hike there. Are you good with that? And I said, yeah, I'm good with that. Let's do it. Let's, let's do this. Um, and he was like, okay, well, we can definitely do it, but I will warn you that it's pretty technical. Like it's, it's a, a 12,000, um, the, at the peak and it's right on the continental divide which I thought was pretty amazing. I didn't realize that that was in Colorado. Um, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but I want to take you. But the really neat thing about it is when we get to the top, there is a mountain lake where um, there's cutthroat trout in there. And I had never seen a cutthroat trout before. So it was just a lot of check boxes. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in. And so we started off and he was like, okay, um, what you're going to need is you're going to need this and this and this. And he was talking fly gear. So you need your backpack. You need your, you need a five weight. You need a three weight. You need this. You need um, all these different flies. You need um, a, a tent. You need all this stuff. And I was, I was getting kind of like pretty overwhelmed because I'm like, man, this is just going to be a day hike. Like what's, <laughs> What what is going on here? Yeah, I, I already lost track with how much stuff you needed. It's yeah. Like, oh, man. Yeah, so he's telling me, and I'm just like, man, this is okay. And so um, I was like, okay, thanks, man. Um, we're good. I'll uh, And he goes, okay, man, we'll meet you at 545 in the morning. We're going to go, and it's going to be dark whenever we start hiking. But by the time that we get up there, it'll be light, and then we can fish all day, and then we'll hike back. And I was like, okay, so I'm prepping all my stuff and I'm looking at it and I'm getting it all set up and I'm packing this stuff into my backpack. Um, and I kind of looked and I was like, okay, what? I just want to take one rod. This is ridiculous. And so I was like, well, I do have that small little Tinkara rod. It was the eight foot rod that I'd got. And I was like, man, I don't know how big the fish are up there. But if they break it off, I mean, if they break the rod, then uh, it's got a lifetime warranty. So I'm going with it. And so I just took that one eight foot rod and I put that in my backpack and I just packed pretty much lunch for the day, um, had my shoes. So I had a small little, small, small, small pack. And when I got there the next morning, I was like, all right, man, we're ready to go. And, um, the gentleman looked at me, uh, my buddy and he's looking and he's like, is that all you brought? I said, yeah, man, like I want to be like free so I can like hike and take pictures and like, see this, this is going to be like Epic. 
and I had my contour camera and I was taking video and I was doing all that. And he was like, yeah, but did you even bring a rod? And I said, yeah. And I, I showed him the tin car rod that I had. And he's like, oh man, I don't, I don't know if that's going to do it. And I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. Like, let's just do it. Like I'm here. I'm not going to go home and get all those rods that you told me to bring. And so we started our hike. Um, I'm going to put us equally on um, shape wise, in shape wise, we're going to be equal because I'm not going to say that, oh, because he had all that stuff that I was, I was doing better than him on the high <laughs> vice versa. Cause that's not fair, but I did see that there were um, quite a few times where I was just like, uh, enjoying the scenery and just kind of taking it in and looking around. And um, he was kind of messing with his pack, maybe making a little bit of adjustments, um, you know, cause your rod tube um, there's a quite a few brands that do really good with like making, I think they're for ski poles, but they do really well kind of keeping your um, fly rods held in there. Um, but, you know, just making small adjustments and, kind of doing and as we were kind of going and I could tell that his, it was starting to get heavy to him. Um, but long story short, we made it to the top. We started fishing and, uh, yeah, I got on fish, uh, landed three fish when we went, they were all cutthroat, the most beautiful fish I've ever seen. Um, and it really was a successful, um, venture and I owe it all to having something super small that I could pack down and hike with and hike in, hike out and didn't have really any, any trouble, any waste, any, not enough gear. Yeah. You can definitely be in a position where you have way too much stuff. I was in a, uh, on a Facebook group earlier today, just asking some random hiking questions and somebody made an interesting comment in terms of like ultralight gear. And, and they had commented something to the effect that, you know, you can, it can be ultralight, but you can have way too much of it. And, you know, 30 pounds of feathers and 30 pounds of rocks, it's still 30 pounds. So you can, pack all the stuff and think it's light but if you have too much you're definitely just kind of holding yourself down a lot more so that's awesome that you have that kind of always in your in your in your in your pack if you need it if you know you're going to be by water so kind of segueing over to the hiking you mentioned you lived in Colorado for a little bit you live in the Texas area, just north of Austin, and lived in Oklahoma a little bit, a uh, big chunk of your life, actually. So what? where are some of your favorite outdoor places of those, either there or others that I didn't mention, of like where to spend time in the outdoors? Yeah, there's. Um, we're all fortunate enough. Um, Danny, I know you, um, you're kind of south of Austin as well. Um, I don't know if your listeners know that, but yes, he is. He is South Austin. So hit him up. He will gladly take you on some hikes. <laughs> as long as we stay, as long as we stay six feet apart. Yeah. Uh, 
But yes, so the great thing about Texas and the hill country is there's so many different places to to hike. So I know, Danny, that you spend a lot of time down in um, kind of the New Bronzeville, San Marcos, um, McKinney Falls, kind of South Austin kind of area. Yeah, I was in, um, in San Marcos this morning. Yeah. So for myself, I kind of I went north with it. So I spend a lot of time um, around Georgetown Lake. They have a big loop that you can kind of spend. Uh, man, that's a that's a three day hike if you want to want to take on that task. Um, and there's a bunch of um, hiking balconies, um, canyons. Those are just outside Marble Falls. There's oh, I love Marble Falls. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of different areas that are that are north northwest that you can really kind of get into some really great hiking and um, just all around Austin, really. It's, you just type in, type into Google a different trail. And then all of a sudden there's a hundred that you have to look through to see which one's going to be the best for your day. Yeah. We're, we're pretty fortunate I'd say as far as outdoor spaces in Texas to kind of have a lot in our area. What, uh, I haven't looked. What's the status of the trails at Lake Georgetown? Are they shut down? Or are they open? Or what's going on? So we were actually out there today. And so what they've done is they've opened up the trail to everybody. So you can hike. You have to honor the six feet. But the one thing that they've held off on are no camping until it's lifted on May 15th. That's when they're. So that's kind of the tentative. It. Yep, that's the tentative when they're going to open back up, so you can go camp and do that. But as far as the trail and just hiking or biking or um, doing any of that, the trails are open, so that's nice. It's just honoring the six feet. How would you say people were honoring it today? <laughs> um, today was good. You know, um, everybody yeah. kind of. Um, it's nice because even the beginners that uh, me and uh, my wife, um, we were kind of having this conversation today and we were looking at it and we were saying, uh, do you think that there's more people out because this is the only thing that we can do? Or do you think that people are just like so quarantined that they just have to get outside? Either way, it's a plus because that that gets people outdoors. And I feel like the outdoors is um amazing for everyone i encourage everyone to get outdoors um but yeah so today even beginner hikers you know people were kind of sticking to like if you're driving a car you go on the right side if you're going in and left side coming out so it was like all right what side are you going to be on you're going to be on the right side cool i'll go to the left side and we'll honor that and um a lot of good passing and people are always friendly on the trail i feel like um the serotonins once you start getting that blood flowing and you're in nature and you're doing all that i feel like it just kind of gets you in a good place and people are super happy and they want to say hello or hi or even if they're out of breath they kind of huff at you and say hey it's good yeah. <laughs> um yeah so today was good it was um, I was actually um, proud of people. Good. Well, I've definitely always 
appreciated your enthusiasm about the outdoors. How, well, tell me about what the transition was like from just enjoying the outdoors and then trying to turn and then eventually turning it into a small business. Tell me what that was like. Well, so the big thing there was my wife and I, when we first met, we, we both were in retail and we have a huge um, retail background. I've been in the outdoor industry for over 16 years. And for me, it was kind of one of those where I've always worked for these, for these companies and these organizations. And um, they're all, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about any corporation that I've ever worked at. But the big thing is, is just kind of having a different mindset and a different idea and kind of running with those ideas. So for me, we saw that fashion trucks were on a huge uprise. So uh, little boutiques, you know, you park it on the side of the road, people can come in and shop it. And if they want to buy something great, if they don't, hey, no worries. Like it's, it's not for you. So we kind of ran with that idea and we brought it into the outdoor industry. So all the boutiques and all the fashion trucks that you see, those are kind of more geared toward high fashion or uh, workout apparel, or I'm sure there might be a couple who are in the outdoor industry, but there wasn't just like a, a huge market for it. So my wife and I, we kind of decided that maybe maybe this is where we can kind of get our lead. And so we ran with the idea. And what we did was we introduced a, a mobile company that is um, just encourages people to get outdoors with a minimalistic approach. So everything that we carry is going to be super easy to um, hike with, backpack with, um, Everything we carry, you can fit in your front and back pockets. So it just really encourages people with to get outdoors with a minimalistic. I can't, I can't stress that enough. I, I keep saying it and reiterating, but no one likes like the janitor key pockets. You no, know? <laughs> so just kind of minimalizing that and getting like leave the junk at home and take the necessary stuff that you would need to get out on the trail. You're going to love life because of it, because it's not weighing you down. It's not heavy. You can go longer. You can go to different places. You can pack it up, throw it in the car and then go to eat. So it just kind of opens up to do new, new ideas of how you, um, it doesn't kind of, I guess what's the, word I'm trying to say is it doesn't kind of take over your day with all the gear and all this stuff that you have. It's really just easy to um, just enjoy your day without getting loaded down. Yeah. And tell the listeners what it's called. Uh, the company that we have is Owell's Adventure Company. And what are, what are some examples of some of the places um, that you've been set up at? Yeah, so we've um, we did the Round Rock camp out. We um, we helped. We were a vendor there, and we kind of helped set up and organize that. We were at Georgetown Marketplace. Um, we were also at Round Rock Mar Marketplace. We partnered with Texas Parks, and we went to a couple of their their events that they held. 
um, at some different parks. And we did our neighborhood. Our neighborhood has a really nice Facebook and they kind of were looking for different um, different people in our neighborhood that were small business owners. And so we kind of reached out to them and said, Hey, we are. And they, they encouraged us and they were like, yeah, you guys will be, you guys will pretty much be the headline of the neighborhood kind of get together. And then from there, everybody else will kind of, um, kind of fall in suit because you guys have done it. And my wife and I were kind of a little overwhelmed because we were like, we're brand new to this. I'm glad that you think we know what we're doing because we don't. Um, yeah. So that one was, that one was really fun. Um, not, not knowing, I will say not knowing is a quick way to learn real right. quick too. So right. here, you guys yeah. take the lead on this. Okay, great. Cause I don't know. What yeah. I'm doing. Um, so that was, that one was a really good treat because, you know, it, it kind of got us to where we could set the event up and kind of coordinate with everybody. And, um, we kind of had free reigns of what we were doing and how we were setting it up. So that was, that was interesting. Um, and those, you know, 2020 was going to start pretty, uh, pretty heavily. We had some events on the calendar and, um, unfortunately, um, we had a turn of events that we're all kind of suffering from, but, um, we're just going to keep building and keep getting outside and, um, you know, do a podcast with Danny and have a good time. Yeah. And I think the, the one thing to hold on to is, you know, at the end of this, the out, the outdoors will still be there, you know? So, um, anything that we can all do to help in any way, I think once, once we're all through this, we need to make sure we're supporting businesses like yours and, and, and making sure we're, we're giving back where we can when, when we're all back in able. So, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to the end of the end of all of this. So we can kind of go back to, to supporting, you know, the small businesses that kind of keep, keep things going. And we've, we've learned through this too, a lot of, what businesses are really important and, and, and stuff like that too. So, um, so with, with everyone that I want to talk to, there's also going to be a bit of a wish list before we wrap it up for today. So what are some places that are on your wish list that you, you want to be able to go travel to and hike at or fish? At? Oh man, Danny, we, um, like you said, you, you kind of know me outside of this and um, we both have a huge passion for the Appalachian trail. Um, how, however you want to pronounce, is it Appalachian? Is it Appalachian? Is it? Uh, I, I think I'm with you on the first one. I'm, I'm the Appalachian. <laughs> you know, there's so much. <laughs> I, 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 I have a bad habit of mispronouncing right. uh, for anyone that's yeah. listening to this podcast. On a couple episodes, I usually have no idea, but I, I think Appalachian is the way I'm going. Got it. Yeah, so that's on the bucket list. I want to definitely kind of um, get that one out out of my system and say, check it off the bucket list. I've done it. Um, and that, 
Are you are you want to jump in and go go the whole way the first try or try to knock it out in chunks and and see if you are into it? Um, so I'm going to do the chunks. So I'm going to do, um, yeah. The direction that I want to go is just kind of um, do a little bit, do a couple months, and then say, okay, this is how much I did in that part of it, and then just kind of break it down in sections and see, okay, can I really can I really do this? Is this something that you know, I kind of put my mind to and really set it out or was this just kind of a little bit of a dream? Yeah, that's fair. It, I can't, uh, I just don't know how that many people can get that much time, you know, and I know everyone's out there for different reasons, but I was not, I just don't know how to be able to be out there for like six, seven I know, what do you without, do? without kind of maintaining my other personal family responsibilities so that's that's kind of the thing you know all these all these guys and all this um promoting the outdoors and like they're going on these trips and they're doing all these things and um yeah if you have a year off that you can take and just devote just to that like i'm all for it but man if you have any other obligations like it's it's really tough like even mentioning just like, hey, I want to do the two months to my wife. She's like, wait, what? You're going to be gone for two months? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the longest I've been gone, this is, this is probably more a knock on me personally, but I think the longest I've been gone from my house is like a week. Right. And I was I was getting kind of kind of sad about not seeing, seeing the little one. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just take her with me right that's um yeah that's the hope you know you push you uh you try to not not necessarily push but just inspire like young ones and the next generation to kind of get outdoors and do it and um what i really like is seeing like the younger the younger kids getting out there and really blazing the trail and like you can just see how how much they're enjoying it and really kind of it it almost inspires you to like you're like, man, I should, I should be enjoying life like that. Like, that's good. Like, you know, they're having fun and they're just like grinning ear to ear and playing with sticks and throwing stuff. And it's really neat. I think, you know, that's a good kind of part to end on just the inspiration of, you know, we're both parents and we both have, you know, our kids are different ages, but I think, just talking to you and and kind of your whole mindset about how you introduce it to your child and, and and not trying to like overdo it. And I think that's important. Maybe we'll, we'll have a different segment in a future episode about camping with kids and kids in the outdoors and kind of best practices that we've seen, but kind of how you started the conversation today, just how it was instilled at a young age and, and you just took it and ran with it on your own and, you know, I I had the inspiration and, and lost it and then found it again. But you've you've seemed to have been pretty consistent with your passion for it. So I really appreciate that and I really appreciate you making time to hop on today and you know, I hope you and, and the family are good and you know I look forward to seeing you and hiking with you some point in the future. All right. Danny, it was a pleasure. Hey, I really appreciate you letting me come on and, and just kind of talk a little bit about myself. Um, you know, I, 
I have listened to your podcast and I've uh, followed along and I really feel like you you're doing a really neat thing here. And uh, any way that I can support you or support um, anything that you kind of stand behind me and I'm, I'm all about backing it. So uh, yeah, awesome. let me know what I can do for you, man. Well, I appreciate that. But, well, tell us where we can find. Oh, well, it's, you have the website, yeah, right? So, oh, well's adventure co.com. Just like it sounds. Oh, wells uh it's kind of a play on words everybody says oh well well it's oh wells yeah oh wells adventureco.com <laughs> and there's all kinds of different um trail maps on there uh different content so you can check it out and see see what you guys think sweet and i'll definitely put a, a link to that in the description so all right thanks adam have a great hey, night all right too. thanks a lot danny have a good one mm, bye bye Thanks for listening to another episode of the Texas Trailhead Podcast. If you like what you heard, please let me know by leaving feedback on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. You can find this on anchor.fm and just search the Texas Trailhead. Still looking for more? Click the links below to find the website, Facebook page, and see pictures from the outdoors on my Instagram page. So until next time, grab your backpack, put on your hiking shoes, and let's go out on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead.